Hi everyone and welcome to another Falling Podcast. I am your host, Dave West. This week we have John Mann in the house. A lot of you already know who John Mann is. Uh, if you don't follow him, he is a uh, legend from Europe who downwinds a lot uh, on lakes and oceans and he's a contributor to the Falling Magazine and he rides for Apple Tree uh, foreboards and surfboards. He rides with Axis and he gets to test a whole bunch of gear. So he's an interesting person to get a perspective from and board size and foiling, um, sorry, foil choice and things of that nature. So we jumped into a bit of that. We jumped into a bit of uh, industry stuff and um, mindset about learning and the community and why foiling so great and all sorts of interesting things. So John, if you don't know who he is, definitely jump into this episode. He is a super interesting guy, um, very smart and very analytical. So uh, he also runs a blog, which we will discuss in the episode and you can go check that out after you listen, of course. Um, but in the meantime, uh, please enjoy my fruitful discussion with John Mann. Hi, my name is John Mann, and foiling makes me feel zen. Oh, zen. Yeah, very yeah. zen. Don't even know if that's a thing. But... John Mann, welcome to whatever this show is called. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Just another floating podcast, right? That's right. Well done. You've passed the test. I actually, um, you I know, I love that name. Oh, thanks, man. I, I was taking the piss because I was. Yeah, uh, I know. That's why I love it. <laughs> most of the things I do are self-deprecating, but um, yeah. Oh, you know, I've never heard your voice. Never. No, really. <laughs> yeah. So, you have an American accent. It's uh, it's like a weird one. It varies. I uh, grew up in international schools. So when I lived in Oz for a bit, I picked up a twang there. When I, when I was in the States, I speak like a, an American and then grew up in Scotland for a bit. So yeah, can go a bit Scottish. It really depends on who I'm talking to. It's it's a very weird thing. You're a, you're a but vocal yeah, chameleon. Something like that. <laughs> I can definitely tell like other people I've spoken to have been in Australia. There is definitely a time lag on uh, on this. So I hope people don't think like, there's awkward pauses, but I think it's just because the, the signal is going a long way. So where are you right now, John Mann? Uh, at the moment, I'm in Albania. So uh, oh, finishing doing, off man? my work here. Yeah, so I'm like a project uh, project engineer. Uh, yep. So I'm working uh, in Albania month on, month off until the end of this month. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I'm uh, going to be working again full time in the Netherlands. So, uh, so a normal day moment. is like, what, 12 hours or something? Big days when you're at site? Yeah. Yeah, normally working on site 12 hours a day at the moment, doing an office stint. So it's a lot it's a lot nicer. Um, but yeah, normally 12 hours a day, seven days a week for a month. And then when I'm home, 12 hours a day, seven days a week of foiling. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, um, so yeah. do you, how does your mental health go uh, when you're working? Is it you, you're focused enough that it doesn't bother you or does it get to you? Yeah, so it's like you have this withdrawal for the first month. Uh, the first week because you're just used to being flat out on the water uh endorphins everything and then you come to site and it's like maybe you go to the gym for half an hour or an hour that's it that's all your body's getting for exercise so it's like your body's used to getting these this these sensations for a month when you're on foiling every day and then you go to site and you're like oh no but uh yeah for the rest it's fine you know it's, it's actually it's, it's all right the body gets a chance to recover um but yeah you do notice that you're like you feel like you're missing something you can only imagine what that what it's like to be uh i guess like coming going cold turkey uh yeah for people that 
that do like a dry January or whatever, those kind of things. Because you're, li- you're literally going from having, you know, a regular uh, supply of dopamine via exercise and the ocean and all goodness to suddenly you've got to find it from other sources, potentially, you know, yeah, al- yeah. alcohol and things like that. <laughs> do, you, do you develop <laughs> no, that? No, we're, not, we're, not, um, we're not allowed to drink on site. That, that's a good so, uh, idea probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. So it's it's just a big, big shock. But no, it's all good. Cause, uh, it's it's funny because always in the last week ho- at home, I'm like, oh, it's coming up. Yeah. So then I foil even more, which then makes it even worse. Yeah. Uh, so I foil heaps in the last week, but then my body's so tired that I'm also like a bit, a bit grateful to be getting some rest. So I'm <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to shifting back to a normal schedule with uh, the old Monday to Friday and weekends. Which right. sounds weird. You tell you tell someone now you work six months of the year and you have six months of the year off. Mm. They're like, "Oh my god, what do I do? To sign me up." Yeah. And then, it, <laughs> but now I'm looking forward to Monday to Friday. Yeah. Quite ironic. People don't realize that, like, after seven days off, it's it's all about the same. You know, it's like yeah. if you, it's the regularity of breaks that's actually more enjoyable, rather than just yeah. You know, and also that. The, the other difficult thing is I'm free, but not everyone else is free. Yep, my problem. <laughs> and then the nature of downwinding, right? You need you need mates that, that want to shuttle with you because uh, I'll be honest, I hate the wing up window, down window. Um, it's just so boring winging up wind or sailing up wind. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, but I'm lucky I've got a bunch of mates that they all work fairly flexible schedule so i can pretty much find a buddy for most days yeah i've got the exact same problem i work every like i literally work every friday saturday sunday as a wedding singer and nobody's free yeah. monday to friday when i'm free and um it, it is challenging but let's because you brought it up so i hate upwind downwinders on the wing as well so you and i yeah. are joined because i literally go like you just bang up wind for 45 minutes and then it's all over in about 15 minutes <laughs> like yeah it's, it's uh, a high effort low reward yep big time plus you got to carry the wing on your back yeah which paddling up with a wing is if people haven't tried it it's incredibly hard it's uh it's a lot harder than it seems you feel like a turtle like <laughs> yeah and it's so annoying, especially like the first time I did it, like, you know, the, the, the dry bag filled with water and then you're, you're mm. like, you're dicking around out there for so long. So now when I do it, I do actually come back into shore, pack the bag really, t- the wing really tight and small. And then, uh, and then I paddle back out. So oh. it's, it's, uh, yeah, I always pick a, a start and a, and a, like a top and a bottom where I can come in and out really quickly and easily. Mm. But like I'll wing up either go back to the beach or go onto this like grassy field if it's the lake pack the wing down as small as i can and then paddle back out for me it's worth having the wing packed really well and small on my back than the convenience of not having to paddle out again yeah so. that's that's interesting because a lot of the time we're doing upwind downwind is well no actually i shouldn't say a lot of the time because we don't do them is if if we were <laughs> to times. do them <laughs> <laughs> yes it's uh because it's easterly and we're just going out to sea and it's um yeah. so like east is like, straight on shore for us so we you yeah. You, yeah you just can't do that but that pack up is um time consuming and irritating and i just i don't think it's worth it also no very much no. on the uh the same bandwagon as you so um i should yeah, mention so we're people, lucky 
Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. But I'll just say we're lucky that we have this massive lake. I think it's like 30K by 50K. So like when it's onshore on the North Sea, as much as we love downwinding on the North Sea, we just go, you know what, let's just find a, a crossing that we'll do on the lake. So we'll find like a 10 or a 20K run to do. Yeah. on the lake so there's always a direction that can be catered for so, so you literally just in that sense. you go all the way upwind across to the lake go to the you know the, the nearest bank do your thing and then start back down yeah if yeah. i'm winging it on my own otherwise we'll just shuttle you can drive around the whole lake so it takes a while some of the runs there's more there's a lot of driving but there's always a run to be had even with uh, the in Holland, we get like these east winds, and that's like full offshore on the coast. And the, the lakes have a couple hidden gems that make east winds uh, pretty good. Yeah. So I thought it's probably worth mentioning. So if people don't know, because probably Axis team riders and and people that ride apple tree boards will know who you are, and people that read um, what's the magazine? I've forgotten the name of it. Foiling Mag. Foiling Mag. Um, yeah. that you're you're a contributor to Foiling Mag. You're an Axis ambassador or team rider. You're an Apple Tree team rider. Um, and you are consistently putting up epic downwind footage. You're obviously prone as well, but I find you really interesting because you've been doing like lots of downwinding. You and I have been talking online for probably a year now about downwinding in bits and pieces. And um, but you've been doing a lot of board testing lately. Um. So I thought we'd start there. Is uh, so what? Because uh, you're on an apple tree now. Is that what you've ended up on? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And- so join now. Maybe I'll just go through the sort of the the foil background. I started foiling like three years ago. At well, after a period of kite foiling, didn't go into surf foiling and all that good stuff before transitioning to downwind. I think pretty similar to a lot of guys that are now downwinding. But my foiling journey started on an apple tree board, um, just because they're a Dutch brand. Uh, and then grew into like a mates with with Vicher, the owner. And then downwinding came along. And two years ago, you know, like I don't know, you remember getting hold of a board is a pain in the ass. Everyone thought it was niche. Uh, no one wanted <laughs> to commit. Also, COVID, you know, like people are resource constrained. You know, you've got to put your put your eggs where where the money's gonna be made. So fully understood. Spoke to a few people, and then you know, my brother started shaping. That's the the release boards that I was on originally. Um, so he shaped me a board six four by twenty four, which sounds horrible yeah. now, but <laughs> it was like the best thing ever. I started on a wing board five ten by twenty eight. I remember me and Ku were oh God. were uh, were complaining to each other because he also started on a pig. Uh, <laughs> we started around the same time. We were complaining to each other on Instagram how horrible they were to paddle. They got that six four by 24. I got the six six by 21 that my brother also made me. And then Apple Tree started making boards. So I think around a year and a half ago, I was already helping them test one of the early prototypes of the skipper. But there was like a whole production thing because uh, they, there's huge demand for their boards. Like a lot of people maybe outside of the States and outside of Europe might not be aware of, of Apple Tree. But they, uh, I guess they're like the European version of Amos, just make really high quality, beautiful carbon boards. Um, yeah, yeah. Apple Tree have their own tech, you know, infusion with closed cell foam. It, it basically means that you have a board that you can crack open and, you know, no worries. It, it, you don't need, it doesn't suck up water, but it's, this isn't a sales pitch. But anyways, I have a long history with them. And then uh, over time, I guess, we we talked more and uh, the opportunity came up to to ride for them. Uh, and then in, in in the meantime, you know, I've tested their boards, Boiling Mag, uh, some other boards, other brands, and I personally had a KT in my quiver. 
So I've been on a bunch of boards. It's super interesting. Like I have a fairly controversial opinion on boards, actually. Uh, this is, and I did. I do want to get into this because I've done some recent testing, yeah. and I want to hear your thoughts. And I, I want you to be unadulterated in your, uh, in your opinions and feedback because I think there's a lot of known knowns and a lot of unknown unknowns, and there was a lot of unknown knowns. You know all that uh, nonsense. So, um, yeah. So let's just start with your dimension. So how how heavy are you? And you're obviously you're an advanced you know, foiler advanced down window. So let's just keep, I'll say that because you might not want to say it, but I'll say it. Um, and then, so what are you riding on? How much do you weigh? What have you, what have you landed on? Yeah. So I, I am now, I'm one meter, 75 centimeters. So that's five foot nine and I'm 78 kilos. I think that's around 170, 175 pounds. Yeah. For the those that haven't used modern uh, units yet, as Adrian, yeah, Adrian Roper would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm currently riding a 77 by 20 inch 110 liter apple tree skipper. Yeah. Uh, before that, I had the exact same dims on the KT, which is also really nice to compare. Mm. And because they're they're very yeah, different pretty forms. very different. Oh, hugely different. Also, in terms of volume distribution rocker line uh, mm. and bottom shape um and yeah i don't think i would change my dims like if i was racing i'd go longer and narrower yeah but and then on the lakes actually i still every now and again i'll ride my brother's board the 66 by 21 like mm. it's really hard to describe the bumps on the lakes but there's this like they're just so close together they're so stacked they're so steep yep. that i actually find the short boards pretty easy sometimes i'll take the 64 even just for mm. fun well, I um, actually, I don't know if you saw the footage of what we call our poor man's Hood River. Did you see that clip I put up yeah. recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that's like you know they're the most compact bumps bumps I've ever experienced. And obviously, I took the the big bullet, um, which is eight ten, but I di I didn't need it. I could have been on, you know, easily could have been on the Sultan. Um, yeah, that's seven six. But it's just insane how easy it is to paddle up in those type of bumps versus the ocean. Um, yeah. Right. And I think that's something people need to differentiate. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's not that we're saying you don't need a long board and a shorter board is better for those bumps. It's that the bumps are so easy mm -hmm. that they don't need you to have a longer board, if that makes sense. The yeah. driver to a longer board is the bumps that you want to paddle it up in and the ease at which you want to paddle it up in. And I think the other thing people are forgetting is that the trend towards longer boards is also driven by uh, racing and ease of paddling up smaller foils. Yep, I agree. That's sorry, sorry, side note, but I think yeah. that's really important because a lot of the markets obviously tends to follow the front runners. Yeah, uh, okay. and then that's 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 drawing people towards that because they're seeing you know the best guys, and then, but they're forgetting okay these guys are maybe in super spaced out bumps or they're paddling up tiny foils because they want to go fast and you know average joe is going to be on like a 1400 1500 1600 centimeter foil sorry adrian for using area um in you know in maybe possibly more favorable bumps slower bumps and they're not going to be going even faster than three minutes a kilometer mm. so it's completely different sorry that's my little my side piece there on, know, the, on the trend versus the demand yep yeah, i i know i um, I've tried not to be a contributor of that, but un unfortunately, whatever I ride and whatever 
you know, anybody else in the Amos team or the Axis team or whoever you ride for Apple Tree, people will just buy what you are on. Um, cause I, I just didn't, I didn't know cause I hadn't, I haven't done a bay run until literally this week or well, last week. I did two bay runs in one week. And before that, everything had been in the ocean and I didn't understand yeah. how much easier it is to be in those organized, tightly packed uh, bumps. And it is like, you really, if that's what you're, you're riding or you're riding a big foil, you don't need the big board. I'm using the big board because I want to ride the, you know, the 1001 Art Pro or the 1051 yeah. and getting the, you know, the 1001 Art Pro up on the Sultan is pretty much impossible for my weight. It like, it's not impossible. It's just incredibly hard. Um, yeah. 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 No, hats off, hats off to you for the, uh, man, you, you had it rough at the start because oh. the, the ocean start. And then I was just like, oh man, I'm so lucky I get to start on a league. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I wish I'd started, but I think if I had that at the beginning, I wouldn't have uh, maybe ventured back into the ocean very quickly. So no, it's been a steep learning curve. Um, but also like I was going out at spots where there was no bumps. Like I remember getting drone footage once. I was like, oh, I said to my buddy who does the drone stuff. And um, I said, Josh, I'll come film me. Like I'll be able to paddle up easy. And it was like a really weird day. It was, and I watched back that footage. And I'm like, I would never take off from that spot now because it's got backwash no. and refraction. It's horrendous, but you don't know until you know. It's such a brutal yeah, but learning curve but actually the way that the way that you did it's best in my opinion and it's kind of the way that the people that got into it a bit earlier did it it's like you front and load the pain because your gear is substandard or your conditions are rough mm. then you get really good at picking the right bump and then once you know how to pick the right bump and that bit's really painful but once you've got that then it becomes a piece of piss really but then it's all dependent on your foiling level okay that's completely separate but you know the first bit paddle up Whereas yeah. now you like you see a lot of people they take like a giant foil and a rocket ship board, yeah, paddle up on anything, anything that I would never have chosen to paddle up on as a beginner, yeah. And then I they get on foil and they're like now and they're like now what? I think like when we when we're waiting for like the perfect bump to paddle up, you know, to become in a set, and then you get you get up and you're like you're in these good bumps at least for the first bit. And you foil a couple hundred meters, a kilometer, and then maybe you come off foil, and then you do it again. But you're not able to get up on any random piece of chop mm. like you okay. can now. And then you get stuck in no man's land because you're like, well, actually, it gets, it's harder, you know? Yeah. I think. Uh, I see. And that's so like, it was really interesting today. My buddy, he made his own board. He called it the bandit. Um, his name's Tibby. And he, his board, he's 97 kilos. He's 6'2. He's quite a stocky dude. And um, yeah. he made this 100 liter eight by six like it's legit 100 liters and i took a photo of me sinking it and there's only like probably half a foot of the nose sticking out of the water like the thing is legit 100 liters and he can paddle it up and i almost paddled it up first go it so my paradigm has shifted dramatically in the last two weeks because of the experiences i've had and so i've been you know i got the bullet 145 liter bullet it's huge it's Thick. It looks nice. It's so nice. And the confidence it gives me to ride smaller foils is its main reason. That's literally yeah. why I want it. Whereas on the Sultan, I was probably a bit stuck at like the 1121 reliably to get that up. Whereas on this thing, I can, I've gotten up the 1051, I've gotten up the 1001 now. 
Don't think the nine five ones for me, but I I I want to say to people, and this is what you're saying. To re, I want to sort of agree with you that the big board does make paddle ups easier, but it can make you miss a step in the learning curve if you start there because yeah. you can paddle up on anything. If I put the twelve oh one on, I can paddle up. I can just paddle up, and something will push me, and I'll get up within three four strokes. It's insane. Yeah. Which is, which is appealing. Yeah. I think that's oh yeah, one hundred percent. I I see the appeal. I mean, I'm going. I want to. I want to make a, a a longer, narrower board as well with with apple tree for for racing. Mm. And yeah, again, it's what you said. You know, it's it's confident. You want to you want to push your your paddle. You want to push your foiling. You're like, I want to ride the the nine five one and the thousand one. Like everything for me is one step lower because I'm a bit lighter. And it's the same thing. It's like I want to know that if I come off foil because I've you know maybe chased chased a fast line or turned a bit a bit too hard and the, the tips come out and i've ventilated it and i'm off foil that, that i don't have to think twice or be like oh no here we go again you know mm. that's the last thing you want so like i 100 percent see the appeal yeah um, but yeah i think people are getting fixated on the uh the paddle up aspect of the downwinding and then forgetting that unless you have like a very good prone or wing an actual foiling background the paddle up's the easiest bit because then after that you you've got to stay on the foil yeah let's because i think because i was you know a competent prone surfer first that wasn't the most difficult bit in a lot of ways no exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but like putting putting the hat on of like say the average person coming into downwinding yep. now like because the demographics changing a lot big time um a lot of wingers I've people that have a lot of people that have just said to me, you know what, I, I really, it looks cool. I want to learn to downwind foil. I'm, I'm like, mate, if I was you, I'd learn to wing first. Yeah, I agree. Um, Do something else first. Uh, or get a foil drive, you know. Yeah. The foil drives, that thing looks so cool. Oh, it's um, epic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess we can have, have we have we sidetracked, digressed from. That's what original. we do. That's what we do around here. Yes. Yeah. We just go where the, where the spirits take us. Um, no, I mean, foiling is good for that. Exactly. Um, are you seeing Dom soon? Uh, no, I'm just gonna miss. I'm just gonna miss him because he's moving to the Netherlands this month, and yeah. then when I get back, I'm going to Bali for three weeks. Oh, that sounds terrible. To <laughs> just yeah, well, it's my last month off. My girlfriend's just finishing like a a course she's doing for like a professional development. It's like a two year course. She's finishing yeah. that. So we're like, oh, you know what? It all lines up perfect. Let's go get some sunshine instead of Dutch winter. Oh, nice. Um, and I'm going to get her boiling in waves. So I'm going to go over to Sanur because there's like an easy tow foil wave there. So And get her boiling. As, as a man who, you know, obviously loves his girlfriend, I'm going to assume that, and um, wants her to have a good experience, what are you going to stick her on? What's the board and foil you're going to put it? She's a novice i'm assuming no so she she's been kite foiling a few years she can oh, wing okay. foil she's starting she's starting to wing in waves and now it's just like progressing her wave stuff but i'm trying to get her on the spitfires so i'll yep. sink in a spitfire 900 because i feel it's nice and stable the mm. 840 gets a bit twitchier i prefer the 840 yeah uh, so i'm sinking in spitfire 900 with the advanced plus ultra short views and a 350 progressive nice stable set up and then in smaller waves so that but i do have i do have an old hps 980 lying around if it's really small um but yeah that's probably what i'll put on so what so you're away for a full month and then you come back what does she do she's a psychologist oh nice and she does she study yeah, so, abroad as well 
like not abroad you know no so it's like a professional development thing so she just works and then one day one day one day a week is for her course all right so um you're a high achiever so it's quite (laughs) it's uh i mean if it's for her it's just like the logical next step is kind of like what what everyone does when they do the the psychology thing in holland they do this this course Uh, it's about two years part-time and then you move up a level i guess right so this this is a strange question, but I'm sort of uh, channeling my own issue that I've had. It's like I had a you know fairly successful career uh, pre foiling, and I can honestly admit that foiling and the obsession with it, the time, has eaten into a bit of my career success. Has it done the same to you, or have you found a way to uh, cordon it off and sort of hundred percent? <laughs> so. And I actually really resonate. I can't remember which podcast it was on. There's so many podcasts. Jeremy Wilmot was also talking about this. Mm. Um, you know, like work-life balance uh, and, you know, passion versus career. Like when I finished uni, I was under the illusion, you know, like, you know, career, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Corporate was what my mates called me. Mm. And then I then I started foiling and then that all went down the shitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started kiting actually and then surfing. But no, so... Finally, like three years ago, when I when I first started this job, the job that I'm in now, two years ago, uh, the company I was in was in a massive reorganization, and I was sort of earmarked for being out of a job. And then this job came up, so I was working Monday to Friday as well. Then this job came up month on month off, and I was like, oh, you know what? This coincides very nicely with wanting to learn to downwind. What's the thing that I need for downwind? I need time uh, to commit. And I was like, God, this job's a demotion, but the money's good and the time time's good you know because I, mm. I was talking to one of my other colleagues he's a big skier it's like often the problem is people are either cash rich or time poor or yeah. time rich and cash poor mm. so there's always a limitation and i was like this job might be the ba- the best balance of both for learning to downwind mm. like you know i took the job so i took a demotion <laughs> for this job uh to be able to learn to downwind and, and boil and you know it's paid off like a lot of really cool uh connections have come out of the last two years where i've mm. just been boiling a lot and connecting with a lot of people that foil like like yourself uh, mm. uh people in hood river um and then yeah as a you know with that access and the apple tree that whole thing kind of came out of i guess the progression that resulted of, of the choice that i made but yeah no the career career versus foiling thing it's it's uh I don't think it's career versus foiling. It's career versus satisfaction yeah. you get yeah. out of life, right? Yeah, yeah. People don't realize like you do have these doubts about the choices you've made though. And people, I think I get the people just go like, oh, it must just be amazing to be, you know, foiling five days a week, which it is. But um, there are those dark thoughts of, oh, am I sacrificing my family's future? Am I sacrificing my 50s? You know, am I going to not have as much you know, wealth and retirement money and all. And those those thoughts are quite um, significant, you know, especially me having a young family. It's like I sit here sometimes and I'm like, why the fuck am I making a podcast and YouTube videos when, you know, I could be working for some big medical company and, you know, making good money and instead I'm doing all this stuff. And um, I think people don't realize that you do have the, uh, the thoughts that are like, oh, you're totally just wasting your time. <laughs> So I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. I've had that. I've had that as well. You know, I, I even had moments where I was like, should I sack off the job? 
and see if I can venture into foiling. And then, mm. then I'm like, no, wait, I need some stability because as you said, you know, later in life, you can't foil forever. Yeah. Or is there something that you can do in between? I think at the moment, have a bit of a happy medium. It seems like you've got a pretty good balance as well. Yeah, yeah the thought, those those thoughts will always be there. Yeah, but at the moment, like the connections that I'm getting out of foiling, the community, uh, it's a uh, for me that's it's worth the the flip side of of foiling less or not not going to events. You know, like yeah, uh, France was France was a was epic. You know, well, let, um, let's, I, let's a, dive into that. Tell us about France. Yeah. It looked like an epic event. Lots of people, good conditions. Everything seemed to line up. Yeah, it was sick. It, uh, I, the background to that event was they ran it two years ago uh, for the first time. They had like 16 people. And then there used to be a, another event, uh, I can't remember what it was called, that my sub-race buddies would tell me about where they would just like drive you out and then drop you. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I'm going to keep my eye on France for, for downward events because it's closer than going to Maui or going to Oz for a race. And uh, and then this got posted. And then, so I signed up. And then first it was supposed to be, I think it was like 50 entrants or 40 entrants with 10 outsiders. And then they upped it because there were so many people that ended up being like 60-something people, quite a lot of non-French uh, and they just turned it into a downwind festival. They encouraged us to um, come a week early, which was cool. So mm. anyone that had like an international rider entry and who paid for accommodation had accommodation from the Monday before through to the Monday after. And the event ran Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh. So a lot of people came in early. And uh, yeah, it was just super, super positive vibes. Um, we had wind almost every day. But we, we had a few light wind runs, I must say. Um, we had one new king day, which was, I'm sure anyone who follows downwinding on Instagram has probably seen all the clips. Jack posted some, Oscar posted mm. some, Mateo posted some, the, the, the massive bumps. Um, and yeah, it was just cool because, you know, every day, the group, the first day that I arrived on the Monday, I went on the water about 15 people. I was like, holy shit, 15 people downwinding. I've never done this before. Next day, 25. Next day, 45. Uh, but then the next day, was that, that was the nuking day. So it was split. So we went like 15 to do that ocean run that we did. And then there was like another 20-something people did the, the other run. And Thursday, we all came together. And it was really cool because then they, for the opening ceremony, they just got everyone up on the stage. I was like, oh, what are you expecting to get out of the event? And, you know, everyone was just like, good vibes. Uh, yeah. Everyone was just frothing over the fact that you know, we had so many people downwinding together from from all over the place. You know, Guadalupe, Tahiti, uh, the Dutch guys, Spanish guys, Aussies, um, Hawaiians, Americans. Yeah, it was just a... Uh, Really cool. It's a really like it's a really special community, and I I do think it's because you know you get punished so much learning it, and then so it's the punishment at the beginning, it's the shared suffering, and then it's the car shuffling and stuff. It's like yeah, you get to hang out with people yeah, all the like, time. You know, it's a, it's an indiv- individual sport with a huge dependency on community. Mm, yeah, because without without you know you can't do it. Yeah, 
I, like I still haven't really put my finger on it, but it's like it's not like shortboarding where you've got these like egos and stuff. I just think because all the egos just get smashed at the start, and everyone's like, "Ah, right, cool, we just don't want to kill it." Yeah, it's like a filter. Yeah, like if you're an asshole, you, you just can't be an asshole <laughs> as a downwinder, really. <laughs> It's almost like, yeah, it's almost impossible. It's, yeah, because it's like either the ocean will humble you, and then you, you know everyone will know you've failed. That's the that's the yeah. interesting thing. Like if you fail, everyone knows it. They're like, "Where the fuck's Dave?" Like, <laughs> and then yeah, and then um, you've got to ask to get picked up as well. Exactly. So it's extra shame, and then um, yeah, and then obviously the fear of repeating that mistake again or whatever. And so even if you are cocky, by the end of it. You you'll either get booted from the group for being cocky, or um or you'll get humbled and then you'll just shut up, <laughs> just get along. Yeah, with it, but or you'll get or you'll just get smoked. Yeah, get sick of it and quit. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think it's really good. I think it. Oh, it's epic. It it also it also like puts things into perspective. You know, you get like some people that think they're really big time. Mm. When at the end of the day, we're just spoiling. It's yeah. pretty simple, you know. It's just spoiling. It's not like it's not like uh, you being better or faster or whatever means that you're a better human being or or you're like this superior thing. You know, we're yeah. just guys getting together, foiling, having a good time. Yeah. Um, and that was the cool thing about France as well. You know, like shit, like Oscar's way faster than me, but. You know, at the end, it's just the two mates chatting before yeah. and after the event. Um, oh, and, and and I hope I hope it stays like that. You know, like I think in other disciplines, you start to see a bit of the the old style egos from other sports creeping. I don't know, wing and prone. Mm. I I don't really stay in touch with those scenes that much. But I yeah. definitely feel like downwinning just feels like a bunch of mates that that want to have a good time and push themselves individually, uh, share their learnings and support you know, the other guys coming through. Yeah, definitely. The, um, the, the, whether or not we're racing, you know, you head out with the crew and everyone always says, Oh, we're not racing. And then a someone will start just up and over and you're like, they're freaking racing. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have, we just have a rule in Holland. Like we, we now have like, it's really, it's actually growing quite quickly, I guess, because of the legs where we had like 10 guys that do it regularly and like a WhatsApp group with almost 50 guys getting into it but we just have a rule like uh see you at the finish yeah Share your location see you at the finish do your own thing. Uh, and then do your own thing um and try and buddy up if if you're if you're less good just yeah. so that when you get to the finish you have someone to... but it all works out but yeah as you said it's just we all paddle out together and uh that's about it i'm well, normally the guy that, that i don't like to stop yeah, yeah. It can get it can get cold. It can get cold in the summer. Like I won't mind stop. True. I don't mind stopping and, and that, but don't like getting cold. So we we've got the opposite at the moment. Like I'm forgetting I have to take water because you know you're on for 45 minutes to an hour and it's 35 degrees. Yeah, and I am sweating like big time sweating, and I'm like, oh, I need to um, I need to drink more water and have electrolytes. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on something because I've had this realization and I want to see if you've had a similar one. So when I was learning to foil, I was burning some serious calories, serious, like I reckon, you know, 500 to a thousand per session, like exhaustion, yep. two to three hours on the water, you know, trying to do a 15 K run. And then, you know, in the last 
sort of six months, I'm getting so efficient that I'm like, oh, that wasn't enough exercise. <laughs> and like I did my run today and I don't trust my watch, but you know, my watch said I burnt like a hundred calories. Like it was a cruisy run. It was light wind, but you know, just staying with the bumps and that sort of thing. Have you found the same thing that like you, you'll do a run, say 15 to 20 Ks and you realize actually I didn't get a lot of exercise from that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think peak paddle fitness is somewhere like six months to eight months into your journey or like mm. six months in because you're paddling so much that's a good point <laughs> to yeah. get up or or the, or the day that you the day that you like i'm gonna size down my foil yeah <laughs> or i'm gonna try going lighter wind and you're like oh no 20ks later you just paddle or yeah. 10k you paddle 10ks on on flat you're like oh this sucks mm. and then yeah now what you say you know, go for like a 20k I did like last two weeks ago, I did a 25K, even in light wind. I took the 1121 mm. with the 365 skinny, which like for me is like the new ultimate light wind combo. I, did, I paddled up once on like, I got lucky with this super nice bump and then I just foiled to the end. Then I got out and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel that tiring. But now I think, I think we've got to just start sizing down mm. to keep that paddle fitness. Like I took the 1051 in not so so much wind and then i felt like i was like oh no this is like eight months ago yeah yeah um, it's funny how you you find a level of comfort and then you just go oh let's just torture myself again <laughs> yeah yeah but no i 100 agree with you i think like definitely paddle fitness has gone down the more comfortable you get with you get with foiling yeah it's um and yeah it's, when you're on a weight loss challenge it's a it's an issue <laughs> so like oh yeah yeah who's winning Oh, I'd say Jeremy's winning, but um, I don't know. I think he, uh, I'm going to say this, he's going to get upset with me. I think he had more stomach to lose before me anyway. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we should, I don't know if we should go by scale or if we should go by appearance. Cause I've, I've been putting on muscle again because I've been doing like flat water paddle ups to try and train up my um, paddle yeah. fitness for this exact reason. So my, you know, my shoulders and stuff are getting big and my back's getting big again. I'm like, I'm putting on bloody weight probably. So um, should, I don't know if we'll should, go by weight. Just, you guys did you did a DEXA, right? You should just do a yeah, I will on DEXA on on body fat. Yeah, well, that if he beats me, which he might, I'll that's what I'll that'll be my um my backup. Your loophole, yeah. my, my loophole. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm functional. I'm functional mass. Yes, that's I agree with can, that. You can say yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, um, because I've actually probably been doing the same with you. We, it's funny. You and I have done a lot of similar things with foils recently. And, and yeah. you know, we're very lucky. I think both of us have access to quite a lot of the, the access range. Um, and I must say, I've never really spoken about access foils on this podcast much. So this is nice because I've always just sort of kept quiet. So people don't think I'm just making a podcast to sell access gear. So now we can sort of talk about it and um, I won't do it all the time, but we're going to tonight um, or this afternoon for you. Um, so the one, one, two, one, I I've got this realization and you might have the same is that they have similar low end that in the 1201. Do you, do you find that? And so then for light wind winging, it's sort of like uh, similar. No, I, I think the, the 1201, like I, I base low end on like ease of paddle up. Oh, okay. Right. Right. The 1201 is definitely way, way easier. easier to paddle oh, up. Yeah, yeah, way easier. But I think once you're up the eleven twenty one, like 
it, that's the other thing. Like, so it's like for winging low end. I think once you're up, how slow you can take a foil is really dependent on like how well you can manage the pitch. Mm. And you know, the twelve one, you can take it so slow, and you take it take it slower than you even need to go once you're moving. So like from a foiling perspective, yeah, hundred percent agree. With you. Like the eleven twenty one has an incredible low end that makes me just think I don't need the twelve one. Um, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, that yeah. They, so that the low end similar. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like so. Say for downwinding, I go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like if my average speed is twenty k's an hour on a light wind run, I can do it on the one one two one, and I have the same average speed. So I'm still just turning yeah. on the same bumps, and um, yeah. de- definitely harder to paddle up and requires a better technique. Uh, like yeah, you know, you, and you'll know what I'm describing. Like you can't be as aggressive with your pitch as you um, paddle up, whereas the 1201, you can sort of heave and hoe it around a bit more. Oh, you can just stomp it. Like yeah. when I take the 1201, it's like uh, my child, my, I set myself the challenge of doing it in as few strokes as possible <laughs> because you can just, you can stomp, you can stomp so hard on on that foil and it just doesn't drop out on you. Yep. Whereas, have but, you paddled up the 1001 yet? No. Oh, man. No, I haven't even done the 10, I haven't even done the 1051 Oh, even that, it's so fickle. Like, it, obviously, you know, I've got 20 kilos on you almost. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the 1051, it's oh, it's like a totally different type of paddle up. You you engage the foil and you have to keep it level. Like, it's yeah. all... It's yeah, all I, had that, I had that in a... I had that when I did, took it in the bumps for the first time. Mm. Like, I was just like, I would... I, first paddle up, I, like, I lifted it and I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. And I didn't keep paddling, and then I just pumped once, boom, gone. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, forgot about that. It. It's a it's a weird foil, the ten fifty one, because once it's up to speed, it feels like it's got almost so much lift. But in yes. that, yeah. in that, yeah, that acceleration phase, it just like really, it doesn't like going that slow. But then once you're in the bumps, it like does seem to. Ha- it's very weird foil. I love it. It can so, go. It can go really slow as well. Yeah. Like I did. I did three three minute kilometers with it, no issue whatsoever. Mm. So that's twenty k's an hour. Um, like I'm considering trying to make it my go to instead of the eleven twenty one, even for light days. Yeah. But then, okay, here's another one for you. So you've you've used the thousand and one. I've only proned it so far, but when I proned it, I was like, oh my god, it feels like bigger than the nine 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 to pump, but mm. it goes faster. It turns better. Yeah. Um, nothing i thought it would be more like the 899 but it, do, it doesn't feel like that at all you know no. how how close is it to the 1051 like i feel like that's not as big of a jump as going 1121 to 1051 yeah you agree with that yep i feel like that the 951 and the 1001 are very close whereas oh, the yeah. 10 the 1051 is like a fair jump and then the 1121 is quite a big jump so like yeah I've done 25 minutes on foil on the 11:21, but there's no way I can do that on the 10:51. So there is, there is a, a, a big change, um, at least in my experience. Uh, but you know, it's condition dependent too. Like there was off wind short, um, offshore winds. Sure. So you, you know, yeah. you can't always recreate those things. Um, so maybe if there was offshore wind, I could do that on the 10:51. But I just find. I tried to prone because of your post, actually, the 1001 the other day. I just can't dig myself out of holes. You know, if I make any little error, if I'm not managing my speed really well, 
for my weight, like when I try and do those accelerating pumps, I just boom straight through it. Um, yeah, there's, uh, but that's like a twenty kilo gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the ten fifty one, I could happily prone, and I can turn that thing. I, I and I would probably, I I think for me at my weight, the ten fifty one turns like the seven nine nine. Like it's sort of, yeah. it's very weird how well they turn. And no, this is not. Neither of us are paid to say this. This is just our experiences. We're just trying to be honest. So, because somebody would be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah because that that wing clip you posted on the the amos selton wing with that mm. 1051 i was like holy shit i cannot turn the 1051 like that then i was like oh wait yeah it's I'm heavier yeah, yeah and i think it's also like they're, they're flatter foils so you've got like a roll resistance just in the in in area as well right so like mm. you need you need something to push against that yeah well i have that with the 1100 i can't turn the 1100 shit and, and that the, the other thing about that session is um that was my first time on that foil. So I think if I got used no to it, I could heave and hoe that thing around easy peasy. Yeah. I've actually gave given myself a challenge to pretty much just stay on the 1051 for like a month in like almost all conditions. Yeah. So downwind it, yeah. prone it, and just sort of really test to see the limits because it's it's definitely lifty enough uh once it's up but it, you know it's a lot more sensitive to pitch and and all those sort of things um because the spitfires are just oh, so bloody easy to surf and yeah stuff. They're, they're so nice but, but yeah no, I, I, was, I was also going to commit to the 1051 actually oh well that worries me maybe i should do the that 1121 i know i can do like that's too easy now oh that's no but way. but that's just because our conditions there's like no energy it's like oh, yeah, true. like you see you see like uh eric's stuff in florida yeah you like divide that by four and that's how much energy we have <laughs> so like we have really gutless gutless surf and uh low energy wind bumps even on the north sea so yeah you get i'm just so that's why for me 1051 otherwise i should really be on the thousand one i think if i was in your conditions ah uh, see i've just i've just googled the north sea because us australians we know nothing about europe um it's the bit of water between Europe and the UK. Yeah, Google Google's teaching me things, as are you. Um, so do you ever get big swells that they looks like they wouldn't really get into there, would they? No, we very oh. rarely get uh, long, long, long range. Bench. Yeah. Yeah. High period swells. Like a long period for us would be like, seven or eight seconds you know every now and yeah. again on forecast you see like a 10 12 second forecast and yeah. it's always the biggest disappointment ever or it's very small windows that they work just because the north sea is so shallow uh there's a lot of sand banks out from the coast mm. which just kill a lot of the energy yeah um, for downwinding it's perfect though yeah cool. just get wind wind swell like right. if you get a southwest then you just go along the whole coast. Well, you, you're sort of lucky that Dan Winning's come along because it's sort of, you know, all these places that it was just a bit shit to um, be in the ocean wasn't much to do. Now, you know, you're getting as good a bumps as you can get because you don't have all the other Pretty crap. Pretty much, yeah. All the other crap yeah. going on. <laughs> so, no, yeah, we don't, no cliffs. The entire coast is sand. So we don't get backwash. Um, oh, amazing. The only thing we have is refraction because. You know the the coast, the bottom is like shallow. 
you know, down to like four or five meters till you're about 500 to a kilometer out from the coast. And then it drops off. So you get refraction at that drop off point. So if you're outside that drop off point, you've got, you've got side, if you've got side shore wind, you've got side shore bumps. It's so it doesn't get much better. Your tides would be a bit crazy then, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they affect the bumps a lot? Oh, you got small tides too. Yeah, they are. We get like one and a half meter tides, two meters sometimes. Okay. But just pretty. It's pretty easy. Like you know, if the tide's coming up, the current runs from south to north. Yeah. Tide's going down, the current runs from north to south. So you can, if you want, you can time current against. We've done both current against, current with. It doesn't mm. have a huge influence on the bumps unless it's really light wind. But even then, it's still, it's downwind paradise, man. Uh, mm, I mean, foiling right. paradise in general. Yeah, even like on good a good surf day in Holland is good to surf well. This is you don't have days where you go, I should take my short board or you know, it's normally nice to long board and even nicer to foil. Mm. It's so. really it's really democratized like average coastlines to make them epic. Yes. Like Sunny yeah. Coast, you know, we we have some pretty epic waves, but they don't work very often. So like Noosa and and di other places that you see on cover of magazines like they work seven or eight times a year the rest of the time because we're we're covered by an island like there's sort of this island that sticks out and it sort of catches all the south swell and um yeah so we miss out on a lot of the really good swell was the gold coast two hours south of us you know they get they get amazing swell very consistently but it's the perfect falling spot now because we we get the soft burger waves and everybody else gets yeah. hammered by the huge swells and we get you know two three foot and it's um it's perfect like I've never been more thankful to live here than since I started falling because <laughs> I'm like well, oh. I've never been more thankful for the foil that I didn't need yeah. to move yeah yeah, yeah yeah so what's um have you got any big runs planned Are you got you know like eighty k or a hundred k or Anything like does yeah, that? Yeah, so I've got I've got some goals, yeah, some targets. Mm. So the other this month off, I did so like you can split our coast into three sections. So you've got the south, Hook van Holland to Scheveningen. There's a harbor there, harbor mouth. So the piers stick out. That's about thirty odd k's, almost forty k's. And then you've got from Scheveningen to Amouder. That's the middle third. That's about forty five k's. And then you've got from Imauden to the top, so that's the top third, and that's also about 40 k's. In total, it's about 120, 130 k's. Um, so the goal is to one day do everything in one go. Yeah. Now we're just chipping away. So last month home, I did the middle third. <clears throat> well, I've done most of it quite a few times, but I did it for completeness sake, the whole third mm. this time with one liter of water, no electrolytes, <laughs> no food. <laughs> got 20k's in and i was like oh yeah kind of thirsty finished my water <laughs> kind of tired had a i always have i used to i always have this meltdown around 20k's i don't know what it is tiredness yeah. i didn't eat break didn't eat proper breakfast and anyway so i sat there for 45 minutes got my energy back and then foiled the last bit but yeah no the goal would just to be the to do the the whole thing you yeah. can't cross the the channel by Amouda the the to go from the middle third to the top third. Um, 
you could foil it, but if you came off, it's pretty sketchy because it's the shipping channel for the port of Amsterdam, which is like one of the biggest ports in the world. So lots oh, yeah. of big boats. Yeah. So I'll probably jump on a boat to cross cross that channel. Right. Um, and then speaking to Olivia, she was like, well, get them to have a, like a new life jacket with new water, all that stuff. And you just swap it out when you're on the boat and you get back in and you do the last third. So yeah. that's probably how, how I'll do it. So that's a goal for next year with with a bunch of the guys. There's like a pretty solid core group of, group of guys in Holland that I'd like to do that with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then at some point soon, I'll probably do the bottom two thirds together. Um, that's sixty five k's, I think. We should. And then go ahead. Sorry. Oh no! And then there's also like full lake crossings. Mm. You know, we've crossed we've crossed them the short way, but there's like I think there's like a forty something k to cross the long way, and then you're just at the mercy of the the wind gods. Then when you get that forecast, because we don't get trade winds, we don't get uh, fixed predictable wind patterns. It's just kind of like storms when it's windy. It's windy. Yeah, yeah right. storms pretty pretty much. So I'm missing the windiest month now because of work. Oh, no. November is statistically <laughs> the windiest, but like. I foil it. I it every day in October, so it's all good. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're gonna ask something. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say, and and I think people don't, they don't really understand that. Uh, and this is my experience, at least. After tw- about 20, 25 k's, right? Twenty. Actually, I'll, I'll take a step back. Twenty k's is really easy as a downwinder. Twenty five, a little bit harder. Thirty five yeah. starts to like. Things start to multiply, like the cramping in your feet potentially. Like I always have an issue with my feet. Like I've always got to be moving my feet now when I start to get to the 30K mark. So when I think when you start to say these numbers, people don't understand. Like that's a long way. When you say 60Ks, that's like you're literally doubling 30Ks. And, you know, it sounds obvious, but I don't think people quite understand that. People that don't do those sort of lengths, you know, people that are consistently doing six or eight, you know, seven or eight Ks or something. Like it's it's a big feat. It's not something. Um, I think James doing two hundred and something kilometers just like blew the fact that people are doing eighty k's out of the water. And now nobody's unless you actually down when nobody's like super impressed by it. But I'm super impressed by it. I'm like that's amazing. That's a long way, you know. Like yeah, I yeah. I mean, I even have it with like twenty k's. Sometimes mm. you, know, you get to ten k, like oh, still got another ten to go. You're not tired, but like. There's a huge mental aspect to it as well. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer doing the long runs in lighter wind. Yeah. It puts I, you I, in like this full full focus mode. I actually, I've been thinking about that. Like, so we have this pretty mental idea to do a crossing from Melbourne. You know, Australia, you lived here. How about you? Yeah, I lived in Brisbane. Yeah, sweet. Oh, there you go. Um, I was explaining where the Gold Coast was to you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so to do like from, you know, the, the bottom of um, Victoria across to Tasmania, but to do it with a foil drive. So, you know, obviously oh, yeah. to prove the point that you don't use the foil drive when you're downwind, you just use it to get up. But um, yeah. to, but it'd also be cool because you've got the islands. I wouldn't do it in one hit. I'd do say 80Ks the first day, then 60, then like 50, and then you'd be at Tasmania. Um, yeah. Also, another stretch, multi, multi, mean, multi, multi stage. Yeah, and it because because with the four drive you could motor into those islands, whereas yeah. you know obviously it's a 
it's just a fair bit of wasted energy if you, you do it by the sup. Because James Casey wants to do it all in one hit, and I'm 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 not about that. I, I I'm not capable of that. But um, you know, 80 k's in a day, and then 50, and then you know, 50, and then 50, or whatever. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. But it's you wouldn't want to do it on a big day because it's so much mental drain, and you like you're just holding on for dear life. I'd actually just want like a consistent 15 to 17 knot wind, and you know, you'd run something like the one one two one. Is yeah. have, you, have you sort of come to the same conclusion? Yep, hundred percent. I was thinking the exact same thing. So we did that middle third in like thirty-five knots, and this was before. So Adrian will laugh. I used to be like Spitfire only kind of guy. So I had like I had the ten thirty, and it was like thirty-five knots, and I was just like oh, hanging holy. on. Holy! <laughs> yeah, I was just like survival foiling. And I was like thinking, if we want to do longer, these are not the bumps that we want. You know, we want, I literally, exact same conclusion as you, 15 to 20 knots, chuck the 11 to 21 on. You want to be relaxed. You don't mm. want to be tiring, like tiring yourself out. Also from like a safety perspective, like with us, we're two, three, four, five Ks out from the coast. Probably the same with you guys. Mm. You, know, you, you want that if, if for whatever reason, you, know, you have a material failure or maybe you cramp your legs cramp that you paddle back in that you can paddle back in you've got energy left you don't want to be so knackered from from foiling for the last two hours that you're like shit now i've got cold emergency services and be that guy <laughs> so i do i do think for like the longer runs the more mellow conditions are nice and then for like the big days where you want to rip turns and and ride massive bumps you know 10 15 k's that's a nice distance yeah because um, you make you make a lot more also allows for like yeah it allows for the the dicking around paddling up again and all that kind of stuff yeah. so when you have the long one you kind of just want to aim for the ace because yeah those paddle ups they just cost a lot of energy yeah i agree because i i we went out and it was like 30 35 knots the other day and it had it had blown south for probably all morning and then it swung southeast and that's like literally oh, yeah. when we went out so we had the existing bumps and then we had these new bumps being generated so as yeah. we'd, we'd cut left to try and we struggled to stay into shore for the first time like normally this run mm -hmm. is always pushing you on shore and um the, this new wind was so strong this straight south wind Sorry, I said it the other way around but yeah this straight south wind was trying to push us away from the coast with these new bumps and you'd cut oh, yeah. down the existing bigger bumps and these new ones would just pop up and just like literally splash onto you. <laughs> like it was pretty wild. <laughs> I've never experienced anything like that because, you know, we very rarely get wind that strong. Um, but the boys were watching me come in because um, I wasn't last, which is nice for a change. Um, but uh, I was like, there's these big rocks right in where we come in and you, you know, you have to cut left of them. And I almost came into the frigging rocks because I just couldn't cut left. I was just like trying and trying and trying and it just kept pushing me straight up the coast. So anyway, there's no end to that story. So, <laughs> um, but yes, 30 knots is not long story much. short. It's stressful. Yeah, long story short, strong wind, tiring, stressful. Yes. Lots of, lots of focus. Yep. And it's just not as pleasant. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't love the honking days. I have to be honest. They're not the days that I really remember. 
the the days I love is sort of like 20 knots. That's epic. 20 knots with no underlying yeah. swell, amazing. So the honking days are when I go to the um, I go to the lake. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Because then you get like you get these like shoulder high steep stacked bumps and take like a Spitfire 840 or maybe mm. even the 780. I haven't, I haven't tried that yet on a 6.6 board mm. and then just turns galore. You, you only connect backwards because you're just turning. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, that's, yeah, that's really fun. And like the other thing, when it's really windy, you just have like shore break and big shore break and it's it's no mm. fun getting getting out get pounded or your board gets pounded and yeah nah yeah i i remember i because i got in the bullet from amos and then we were going to paddle out this day and i rang him and i said oh it's about four to six foot uh beach break to get through and he's like you know i didn't make that board to uh take four to six foot on the head (laughs) i was like yeah i know i probably won't paddle it out so we so that's another that's another thing actually um and it's good that you say that first. A lot of people forget that. They think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a long, narrow board because it's going to paddle up really easily and I can surf unbroken waves. But what about the time that you get stuck in a short mm, break? That's a good point. Like there's a very, and I've heard stories of barracudas just getting creased. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of board. Um, to be thrown around. It's a lot of board, you know, and if you're going to make it strong, it's going to be heavy. So, yeah, you've got to put two and two together. And, you know, I understand why they don't say it's bad for marketing, but a long board that is light is not going to be strong. Well, that's and, and KT you have to accept that. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think it is a bit of a like educate the consumer because KT was talking about that. He was saying, you know, that. You know, that was one of the chief complaints was their boards are so light, but are they, you know, durable? It's like, well, you, you pick pick your poison. Do you want it to be durable yeah. or you want it to be light? And everybody's trying to find, you know, somewhere in between and um, you know, Apple Tree. I've I've heard a lot about Apple Tree through uh the generic foiling podcast. Um because yeah. they they seem to talk about them fairly often. Um so I, I actually do know f- I have a, a fairly good um, grasp on what they're doing and the quality of their boards and everything. And they seem to have found a really nice um, sweet spot of lightweight, good construction, excellent construction, and um, but still durable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so the KT, I think, the paper weight, like on paper, the weight is just under six kilos. Um my apple tree, same dims, same volume, is just under seven kilos. So it's one kilo heavier or 2.2 pounds heavier. Yeah. Do I notice the weight? Not particularly. Do I feel much better about it when I throw it in the van <laughs> uh, <laughs> for shuttles? 100%. Yeah. That's what. Also, that's because what, if if it is open, you know, like, and I have done this with my, I've had a pro board from there for like three and a half years. I've had it open for months mm-hmm. just with the crack in it. You don't worry; it doesn't get heavier. I've weighed boards before and after; it doesn't get heavier. It doesn't take on any water. I think even foil the world. Uh, Brian Finch, he's had he had one ages ages ago, and he did a review on his on his uh, YouTube and he was like, yeah, it fell off the roof of the car and had a little ding in it, but you know, it was all fine. 
So the smaller boards are like bomb bomb proof. Yeah. The bigger boards they are, and like the downwind boards, just like the rest, are built a little bit lighter. But yeah, they have, they found a nice compromise at least, and they're working on getting it lighter. I've got a prototype, so they're working on finding that balance between weight and durability. Mm. Because uh, okay, sales pitch a little bit. They're all about sustainability, right? Um, yeah. And the most sustainable board is the one that you don't need to replace as often. That's, so that's yeah. kind of kind of their vision. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. I I remember Adrian says it all the time because you know everybody makes the lightest mast, but Adrian's just like, let's make the stiffest mast and worry about the weight later. Which I actually I really yeah. agree with that um, fundamentally. Um, and he always says, yeah, it feels good to carry it up the beach, but do you feel a difference in the surf? Probably not. But if it's if it's a noodle, no. you definitely do. So I've had yeah. this weird question, and I want to see if you've uh, thought about this. Uh, do you think, you know how like in surfing, flex wasn't a thing for a long time, you know, through the 70s, 80s. Nobody thought about flex. Nobody thought about fin flex. I'm starting to think about this. Like if your board is thinner, uh and say lighter construction flexing in the foil boxes do you think that's a thing yeah yeah tell me have i don't you know any experience a, with it just gen, gen, general board general board flex is a thing yeah something i talked i've talked to vika about obviously one of their usps is extremely stiff stiff construction mm. um i haven't noticed it so much and the downwind boards i guess because there's a lot of damping in a downwind board there's yeah. a lot of boring big, big time. like perfect example would be like when i first started learning to dog start i had a i won't say the brand it was a made in china board not not an apple tree good dog start fine around with you know pump around fine nothing wrong with the board at all but when i got my apple tree prone board and this was before i had anything to do with them as a brand um and I hopped on it, I could pump like almost twice as long. Mm. And there's a lot to be said for the stiffness of the system. And I think that's something that Adrian always goes on about, right? The stiffness of the system. Yep. Flex is energy loss. Mm. Uh, it's loss of control. And it's the same with the boards. Um, I don't know if you would want, you could probably make the argument that some people make, oh yeah, flex in the mast is nice. I think they're just kidding themselves. Oh yeah, that, um, that it winds up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think there's any argument to be had for flexing a board. Yeah, you know, that's that's your platform. But no, 100. There is something there mm. that I think we'll see boards getting heavier again, for sure. Yeah. With the exception of guys racing, we'll see boards getting heavier again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because um, I I first experienced it when I used a friend's um tow board, and I was trying to pump it. I was like, man, I feel like the nose is flexing, like as I pump. Yeah. Because, you know, everything uh, is a bit, you know, because just because I'm heavier. So if I push hard, if I push harder, I'm putting more input into the system than somebody who's 75 kilos. That's just physics. And, um, yeah. yeah, I was like, man, this thing is flexing and it felt horrible. And I was like, am I imagining things? And I have, I've, I've never really remembered to ask anybody about it. So you're the first person I've asked about it. So um, I do think uh, that it's, it's a consideration because I think as boards age as well, um, I think you'll start to get give in the boxes, uh, yeah, in in of, of boards because there's so much force being applied to them that those fibers are slowly going to wiggle 
you know, and, and over time, there is a feeling to a new board that is different to an yes. old board. I wonder, I wonder what it'll do to the secondhand value of extremely light, uh, light, lightly constructed down, downwind boards. We've just ruined so many people's uh, secondhand <laughs> sales. You can thank John Mann, everybody, if you were trying to sell you know, a light construction what? board. <laughs> No, nah, I mean I don't like credit where credit is due. Like board construction th these days is is so good that even a single skin carbon board has a good life on it. Oh yeah, unless you're a full time foil hours every day person, mm. you're not gonna put you're not gonna put the kind of loads on a on a board. That would that would ruin it in in, in a season, yeah. and well, typically people keep bored for one or two seasons, and then yeah. And I, I was thinking about no, I, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I wasn't saying anything. Well, I was thinking about um pro surfing, and I, I actually what made me think of this was when um, I was talking to uh, Luke Daxon, and um, he broke a four recently, and he, and uh, Josh Koo was telling me about it, and he was reticent to tell me about it. And I was like, oh, because something from Axis broke. And I'm like, hold on. I was thinking about this today. How many surfboards do you think Kelly Slater has broken from Channel Islands? Probably in the tens of thousands. <laughs> and yeah. nobody stopped buying Channel Island boards because everybody knows like certain people are putting gear to a much higher threshold of wear and tear. So I'm, if a board yeah. lasts with me, it's going to last with anybody because I'm heavy yeah. i'm rough on my gear and i foil constantly so it's like the you know I, not i'm to fairly forget, open about statistical and statistical anomalies right i think that's another thing you know mm. every no production system is perfect even yeah. boards that are handmade individually there will be flaws you know machines make mistakes people make mistakes there are mistakes in the manufacturing of the of the, the raw materials even. So someone might have, have built the board perfectly, but maybe the some the, the epoxy was was a bad batch or you know the, the carbon were, had some was also a bad batch. You know, things happen. And I think that's something that people need to realize that yes, you pay a lot of money and you're rightly right to be upset sometimes if something happens to your gear, but often brands also understand that it could be within a within a statistical allowance, or it could be from a batch that they already know, and mm. and uh, quite often things get resolved. But yeah, you also get people that kick up on Facebook, being like, "Something broke. I want a new one." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, and then and then 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 you get to the fact that you know you said Luke broke a foil and he was reluctant to talk about it. I think we should be people should be open to talk about yeah about yeah. it because you want you want brands to be aware of their shortcomings yeah. or you might be the first one to break one of the bad batch foils which you yeah. then help everyone else by highlighting it yep so yeah uh, i think uh, and there's a lot of positivity around failures yeah and you know people it's weird like people sometimes get upset that as you know team riders and ambassadors you get access to gear early but it's it's a really important part of the system to make sure the customer doesn't get a bad experience. So like, 
you know, I had the Spitfire six months before everybody, you know, consumers did, but that meant for six months I was riding them to make sure that that batch was fine. And, you know, yeah. it, it might not be the exact same, um, but it's, you know, it's the same mold, it's the same system, it's out of the same factory. And so it's like, they're really good things to have in place. And I, I like access in that sense. And I like Amos, he does, you know, a lot of board testing. He's always making prototypes for Zane and Josh and, and now me, which is epic and brands and four drive, you know, they went two years of um, research and development to bring out that gen two. They could have brought that out in six months if they wanted to, but um, they took the time. They spent the money. He he told me how much it cost to the research. I'm like, Holy moly. That's a lot of coin, but you know, it's, um, it's cool. And I know that Apple tree have the same, um, what's it called uh they're well known for for you know doing things the right way do it right the first time um and experiment you know with stuff so have you gotten to see their secret uh infusion uh, <laughs> uh factory I, no, thing i don't i don't i don't think anyone's allowed i don't think anyone's allowed yeah. to see that it's very it's, that's it's uh cryptic <laughs> Vichen, Vichen Jorit's baby and rightly so i think rightly oh, so absolutely absolutely that's uh top secret yeah uh, i don't i don't need to see it i feel like there'd be too much weight on my shoulders being aware <laughs> of, uh, of the their deepest darkest well, that's... no i'm just stoked just stoked they get to ride the ride the boards that's like no i you know i knew about the gen 2 for about four months before launch and it when they told me about it and i got to use it i was like you assholes You've just showed me <laughs> one of the coolest things and I'm not allowed to say anything like, you know, they were going to make me sign an NDA and then they were just like, nah, we trust you. And and like I did my, I did a really good job of not telling anybody, but it was. Would it be, would it be better to sign an NDA? Then you can just say to people I signed an NDA. Yeah. But then they know something's coming. So like. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope they don't mind me sharing this. Like, you know, foil drive sells one product and if if everybody knew for for two years, the last two years, if everybody knew there was a Gen two coming, how many people would hesitate? And so, oh it's yeah, one hundred percent. You have to keep that sort of thing under wraps, and they did a really good job considering how much foiling rumors get around so quickly. Um, Mate, it's a it's amazing the shit that you see <laughs> screenshotted on these Facebook oh, groups. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> They're all is there over. a new mask coming? Is there a new this coming? Oh, yeah, goodness. Well, that's Calm like down. Uh, yeah, actually, I better not say that. <laughs> I was going to give you an example. Well, I'll cut it out. Hold on, I'll snip this bit out. But um, we've got to. We'll have to pause after it. But like, I was talking to Adrian today about the um the ultra mast, and I was like, oh yeah, Matt Davies has put it all over his Nazare. Nazare yeah. um footage. I was like, it's not a secret anymore. He's like, Yeah, we're not very good at keeping secrets. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on my open to France yeah. photos as well. Yeah, it's everywhere. Like it was all over AWSI. So I don't think it's a it's a terribly yeah, it's secret. not a secret. It's, it's not a secret. No, definitely not. I mean, the question the only question that's left to be answered on that one is is it going to production? I have no idea. I'm not gonna ask that question. Mm, I'm I glad think... that I have one, and uh, <laughs> for the yeah. rest, it's. Uh... <laughs> I can tell you, it is going to production. Um, it's oh, gonna, sick. yeah, it's going to get launched. I spoke to Adrian today in Marimbula, 
I got my one phone call from Adrian oh, nice. every, every six months that he gives me. <laughs> he just oh nice. So anyway, all right, I have to cut that bit out. So let me just uh, let me ask you. So if you're trapped on an island and you want a prone and you want a downwind, what foil? If you had to pick two foils, what foils are you taking? Eleven twenty one, Art Pro, and uh, Spitfire. 840 with a 300 progressive tail it's a no it's a rear wing adrian's gonna be very rear wing sorry donkeys (laughs) have tails donkeys have tails foils have rear wings or stabilizers yes sorry adrian he says that all the time it makes me crack i do it on purpose now but like i'll just say (laughs) yeah i'm running the 360 skinny he's like that that the um oh now i can't say it in reverse ah shit don't worry about it supposed to be a funny joke um and what board uh yeah let's say you had to take one board let's just make it really annoying you're only allowed to take one board a single board yeah oh i'd take like like a six ten by twenty hundred five liter board probably i don't have one but if i could choose one board to take with me i'd take that you could probably sub foil it prone foil it yeah and download it I like 11, it. 21 so yeah i like it um yeah. i realized something normally i ask people what foil they would ride uh, what other brand would they ride but i realized that's what generic foiling podcasts do with everybody and i think i actually i think i subconsciously stole it from them so sorry generic guys uh, i have okay. a, i do have it i i do have an answer to that one well i'm going to ask you then because you, <laughs> yeah. so um yeah what would you if you weren't on axis what would you go on lift easy choice oh. 150x 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 every now and again take a 120 <laughs> yeah, yeah interesting that is probably the biggest downfall okay so like i'm a self-confessed foil nerd love mm. testing love experimenting love finding setups that work that's why i ride axis but the flip side of that is you get a lot of questions i don't mind answering them mm. actually i love answering them i only ever answer if i've tried those combos or tested certain foils myself i don't often speculate but i do see the appeal of riding a much smaller selection of foils and i yeah probably i'd probably ride lift yeah yeah it's funny i'd have the same answer is um oh yeah and i think i might have said this like i'm i was going to go to lift before i knew about the spitfire and the art pros i was actually gonna Uh, change brand like i was gonna have two different setups but i even bought a lift 120 i even bought one and then oh yeah i remember that in the casey group yeah yeah yeah. and then literally i did have issues with it it whistled like hectic but it was just a batch error um so i didn't have great initial experiences um but uh, that 150x that's definitely the foil that i'd be on but and and i I, i'm interested to know like how similar in feel is it to the art pros because they seem sort of be trying to do the same thing to me yeah i haven't tried it but just it was funny because in france obviously i was in hood last year and or earlier this year and all those guys ride a lot of those guys ride lift and then yeah. in france there's this one uh, one guy from new jersey max really cool guy and he's riding barracuda and lift and every day we're all like stressing which foil to choose for the race he's like oh i just got a 150 and a 120 with me so i'll probably just take the 150 so every day <laughs> i went like i went like 1201 1121 1201 should have yeah. gone 1121 again he's like yeah i'll just take 150 take 150 <laughs> take 150 i was like man that actually seems quite quite all right 
but I do love my being able to play with my setups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, it's an attractive prospect. Like the code foil guys, um, the, the guys locally here, two of them ride code foils and they rock up and they look at the conditions and they go, one of them's got the 770R and he goes, I'm going to ride the 770R. And the other's got the 850S and he goes, I'm going to ride the 850S. And that's all they ride. Yeah. And I, there is an appeal to that. Like, I think that's- Have you cool. tried Have you tried them? No, I haven't. Um, I, I'd like to, obviously. I just, you yeah. know, it's always hard swapping fours with people because you're like, because you'd probably be a downwind run and you're like, you know, you want to have a good, you always want to have a good downwind run and changing gear is always a bit yeah. scary. So yeah. um, I haven't yeah, done no, it yet. Fair. I'd probably, I'd prefer I'd to love, just- I'd love to try one. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. done a great job. It's, they've clearly um found a market. I don't know what it's like in Europe, but in Australia, you know, the shops are selling out. So it's- Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I, they, they haven't really made it over here yet. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Because our market yeah. at the moment is Axis, Armstrong, Code, uh, Lift. And that's a, they're pretty much the biggest players at the moment. I've probably missed one and upset somebody, but um, that's pretty much. Oh, Unifoil, yeah. Sorry, I did miss somebody. They're like literally that's what everybody rides. So I don't know what it's like in Europe. Yeah, in in Holland, F one's huge. So oh. A lot of F one, and then North has quite a big presence. There's a lot of windsurfers in Holland, so mm. uh, I think North. With North sales, as a big thing there, and North's linked to Mystic. Mystic's a Dutch company. Yeah. Uh, what um, else is there? A lot of access slowly growing. Almost no lift. Um, there you go. Bit of Takuma, not much uni, but yeah, predominant. You see a lot oh, of F one. Takuma. Oh, geez, I want to ask you about Takuma. <laughs> They're probably a uh, paid sponsor of Falling Magazine. <laughs> So I don't know if you're allowed I, to answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so I, I can, that's an easy answer. I, I don't have much experience with their products. No, um, it's not Ryan their products. Ar- Ryan Arzi tests, Ryan, Ar- Ryan Arzi tests all their stuff. Uh, I don't have any interaction with them. Uh, so no, I don't really know much about, about Takuma. No, it's the, um, a, the influences, the, um, I don't know. Look, it's like the, you know, kettle calling the pot black. Is you know, Axis have got a huge team, so maybe people say the same thing about us. But you know, it's like when the Unifoil thing happened, like everybody's an ambassador, and like Takuma have gone and done the same thing. because uh, I don't know about oh, you yeah, yeah. in my local like sort of Instagram sphere, feels like everybody's on Takuma now, and none of them have bought it. They've all been given oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like that's what that's what F1 was like in Holland at the start as well. A lot, oh, okay. of, a lot of ambassadors. I you know, it is what it is. I think yeah. You've got to look, I look at those brands as doing the industry a favor because they are putting a lot of foils out there to people at a lower price, fine. Uh, which then means that when those foils get sold on the secondhand market, more people have access to good foils than someone bought a shit foil and they're trying to flog it secondhand. Someone got a good foil and they're selling it for cheaper. Yeah. So all in all, you're doing you're doing the market a favor by creating access to good quality products for a lower price point, fine. And the ultimate performance of that gear will be 
dictated by whether or not it suits that person. And if that's their gateway into the sport, that's fine. And they can make their decision later whether or not they stay on that brand or move. So like, you know, like I, I get, I see the, the thing, like the, it is a bit wild. Like sometimes it doesn't seem genuine or authentic when a, a lot of riders jump on a brand. But mm. at the end of the day, the more people that buy foils, the more money there is in the industry for development. Yeah. The more opportunities there are for talented riders to get on brand deals and the more opportunity there is for people to get into the sport. So it seems weird at the time, but I think mm. long term there's it's good. And brands that do it too much kill their kill their own brand. Um, yeah, they devalue there are, their own brand. There are, there are brands that have devalued their products so much that people don't even buy them new in the shops. So then you shoot your retailers. Anyways, you can look at yeah. so many brands that have done it, but I think like in foiling, the volumes aren't so high. I think it's actually really good. Um, yeah. Interesting. You know, would you rather your mate getting into foiling have to buy a shitty old foil or they just mm. wait for old mate ambassador <laughs> who's selling his foil at the end of the season for cheap to sell that. And then he's on a good product. I, I, always, I always tell my friends like, Oh yeah, these 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 guys—they're all ambassadors. Wait till yeah. that brand releases a new one, and then just contact them and ask them if they're selling their foils. Yeah, that's hundred percent wow. the best way to do it. So smart. you've got to, there's always an opportunity, right? There's always an opportunity. So uh, for I me, like, it's great. I can get my get my mates on foils for cheap. I like your perspective. That's a lot um, less cynical than mine. I really like that actually. Yeah, that's um, yeah. it's it's good for the sport. It's healthy. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it was a nice little thought that I had in there, which is um, as you start to get things, because you said about um, uh, authenticity, uh, you do feel there's there's this pull towards, um, you know, potentially not sharing negative thoughts uh, about, you know, X, Y product that you work with um, because, you know, everybody has them, whatever brand you're on, there's always stuff that happens. Yeah. And um, how have you found that as you've become, you know, more well-known, uh, you know, brand ambassador for multiple brands? Have you struggled with that about how to find the middle ground, you know, being fair, but, you know, trying to not sound like you're too salesy? Like, how's that been for you? Um, yeah, it's it's been okay. I think, so like I haven't, pushed for like brand relationships because I want discount or whatever. Like the bit that interests me is access to gear mm. testing and yeah. give, being able to give feedback to a designer, whether or not it's incorporated or not. I think the more feedback a designer gets, the more, the more it can contribute to a better final product. And I think yeah. Adrian's great at that, at receiving feedback, pulling what he needs and then tweaking. So yeah. Like for me, that's the main thing. And then with like, I, I've always been very brutally honest, but I always spin it. Like I always say, okay, this is what I feel about a foil. I don't like this and this and this. Like, for example, the 1201 is not my favorite foil. Mm. I'm pretty open about it. I have, I use it for flat water paddle ups and that's pretty much it or really, really light wind. But I also see the value that it has to a certain user. So like when I give, when people ask me a question, I say, I think this about this product because this, 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 and this is my lens that I see it through. I can see why it would be good for you from your perspective. 
And these are the considerations you should make. Like I'll never, I'll never, and this is my pet peeve in boiling actually like someone asks a question on a forum and they get a very prescriptive answer like you should use this this is the best setup this is the best setup you you need to have this otherwise you're losing out it's not the case like there's a solution for everyone in foiling you cannot understand how someone's going to feel riding the gear that you think is the best so the only thing you can do is say well this is what i'm using this is what i'm feeling this is why i like it if you can try it try it uh, and if not, you know, I'm hoping to give you as much information as you can to make the best informed decision you can. Mm. Um, so that's kind of always been my approach. I'm always pretty, pretty honest uh, about what I do and don't like about foils. And I'm, I give the same feedback to, to Adrian as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that has helped me not have too many issues with like not liking products or whatever. And the only time you have issues with people then is like, sometimes you get the odd guy that's asking a question, but he's actually just looking for validation as opposed to advice. Yeah. But then you spot that pretty easily. And then you, you know how to answer the question. You just say, okay, yeah, your choice is what exactly what you need. And yeah. Like you yeah. give them, you give them some sort of answer and they just tell you something yeah. totally different and you're like, okay. Yeah. But, I've, <laughs> Good but I think I've, I've always been, I've always been pretty like blunt and honest. Uh, and I think the people that come and ask me questions, they're like, they, they're genuinely interested. And we have like pretty yeah. interesting conversations about their conditions and what they're looking for and mm. this and that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm yet to have a difficult situation. <laughs> me, yeah. To that. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> well, we should, we better wrap it up because we're almost at the two hour mark. But um, it's a good segue because I just wanted to plug your, uh, next at watersports.com it's uh it's a blog Actually, oh, yeah. tell us about yeah. it because i'd love for you've written some really cool stuff on there um i've mainly read the stuff about downwinding but i think if you're learning to downwind and you want some insights um yeah you explain to to, to the people what it, what you're doing on that yeah so that that domain started as next steps kiting like five years ago when i had uh, i did like my freelance kite Thing. and i was like oh you know let's add some credibility to my like i have a small business that i run for the when i freelance i use that and and then uh like let's make a site to add credibility and i'm like next step's kiting stupid because what if i stop kiting and i do something else this is pre-foiling then it becomes redundant so i change it to water sports and then then i think three years ago i stopped or four years ago i stopped doing all that coaching and then this kind of fell by the side and then foiling came along and then i started you, you know you get the questions about foiling and downwinding and all that and then i started to note down the questions that repeated themselves and like you know what instead of either sending someone a copy paste answer which is like not genuine it's not authentic because you're just basically palming them off i was like why don't i just dump my thoughts into a blog so i rewrote this I changed the site and um, just started to think of, okay, what are common questions that come up and uh, write a blog about it. And I think I normally always put a disclaimer. This is my opinion. I don't really mm -hmm. give a rat's arse. If you disagree, you know, we can talk about it, but this is just my opinion, my thoughts based on my experience. And I do actually care about other people's thoughts, but it's like, no need to attack me for it. I'm just sharing what I've experienced. And uh, 
and then yeah, it, it seems to be getting a decent reception. Um, mm. I probably need to get a bit better with consistency, but yeah, that's the that's the idea behind it. You know, just what have I learned? What have I what have I uh, gained from my experiences that is worth sharing? I think to help other people in their in their foil journey. So yeah, like I wrote one about just getting into downwinding one with an update one and a half years in uh i think they're pretty well read then there's one i did about flat water starts and actually in there i talk quite a bit about the irrelevance for starting downwind mm. and actually your video in there for the paddle technique is is linked in there and like everyone a lot of people are saying so how do i learn to paddle i'm like well open this link look at dave west's video <laughs> then go and paddle on flat water yeah until you can paddle in a straight line um actually yeah. there's quite a few of your videos link, linked in my blog um, oh nice i didn't even know that but uh well thank you yeah no i think well you explain things well but yeah I, I thought a lot of people are doing youtube videos i can't be bothered recording mm. and editing youtube videos so i'll do written form because not many people do written form so mm. yeah that's kind of the, the backstory behind the blog now I'm struggling to find new topics. So anyone <laughs> who listens to the podcast who thinks this would be a really cool blog topic, ping me a message and uh yeah. I can I can write something. Yeah, because you do run out of things to um talk about eventually. It starts to become so nuanced that it becomes irrelevant to most people. You know, if yeah. you if you start talking about um, you know, how to even just something like uh, race speeds. You're gonna have you know mm-hmm. hundred people, and then you start talking about you know race speeds and or whatever, you know cutting cutting right on a um you know anyway you know what I'm saying, um yeah you yeah. just you start to get too niche it's uh, it's hard um and but you still want to enjoy what you're doing so no I I like the um the blog I suppose it's a blog is that what you call it I don't want to give it the wrong yeah name. yeah it's just a blog yeah yeah is um. It reminds me of the old days on like kite surfing where we used to read the forums and it, people actually used to read the yeah. forums instead of like this stupid thing that we do with Facebook. That everybody asks the same question and there's really Everyone no... gives an answer. Yeah, and there's no way of like referencing the conversation in a search function. Yeah. Really, there isn't. It's so dumb. Like Facebook yeah. needs to fix that somehow. But um, the old, the old Seabreeze yeah. day, that was epic. I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time, like, you know, Seabreeze is huge globally. It's not just like big in Australia. Like a lot of people yeah. uh, go on Seabreeze, even nowadays, still foiling. Yeah. Um, I only discovered um, that uh, Progression Project has a good one too. He's got quite a good forum yeah. on there. I only discovered that. Yeah, he's got quite a lot of people, quite a lot of heavy hitters that, mm. that post in there as well. A lot of knowledgeable people. Do you know how I actually discovered it? Because someone said, someone said, um, oh, there's, it was when the Spitfire launch happened. And someone said, oh, geez, Jeremy looks good on the Spitfires. And Dave doesn't look as good. I wonder if he's foiled the size wrong. I was like, oh, I'm getting criticized and progression project. <laughs> <laughs> I was really cut. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Mate, with, with, with great uh, Instagram fame comes heavy criticism. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it, it's overwhelmingly positive, but every now and then, but I was yeah. like, 
it was just weird that somebody's just referencing my writing on a public forum. I was like, oh, this this thing's getting weird now. <laughs> Mate, you you made it. Oh, I've made, made it. it. That's right. And so have you. <laughs> Is, um. Well, John, we better wrap up. So uh, people go and follow John at John underscore. Is it John underscore dot man? There is a yeah, because I couldn't get John underscore, so I just added a dot. Yeah, right <laughs> on. So make sure you put the dot in or else you'll be following a random. Um, yeah. So jot, uh, John underscore dot man on Instagram, nextstepwatersports.com. Two, two ends. Two and oh yeah in the man not the next step yeah. <laughs> no 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 yeah so <laughs> <laughs> um support the brands that look after john axis apple tree surf ears and uh yeah i think we better wrap it up there i'm gonna let you sign off so get creative i'm gonna give you a couple of seconds while i in, what's your sign off gonna be uh, oh just uh <laughs> I guess remember that foiling is just foiling. It's all about having a good time with uh, with good people and uh, keep the vibes nice. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Thanks, nice. Dave.